Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to College Football Weekly. It's week eight. Today's October 20th. I am your host, Will Chambers. As always, uh, sitting here to my left, Tyler Walgy. Oklahoma State on their way to a national championship. <laughs> He's happy about it. We got producer Smitty in the house. Smitty. How's it going, guys? Good, bro. How are you? I'm doing great. He's back. He's back. Uh, the Big Ten is back. Big Ten is back. I, I'm, a, I'm so excited. Uh, it's not just because I get to watch my team. It's just like, yeah, I, I hate Ohio State. I'm a Michigan fan. I, I hate Ohio State. I still want to watch them. I'm so excited that we're that much closer to having a, like a full slate of games, right? Because the Mountain West comes back this weekend as well. And then I think, is it one week or two weeks until the Pac-12 November is back? 7th. It's, it's a so couple two weeks. weeks, several okay. weeks. Yeah. Two weeks until the Pac-12 is back. And then we have full-on college football. Sure, it's different, but whatever. We'll have all the teams. We'll have, we'll have too many games. You know, to the point where we can't even watch all of them. Two weeks after this weekend. So okay. three weekends from now, Pac-12. Okay. Which is just ridiculous, but... Yep. Well, uh, we're close, though. And we had some good games last weekend, of course, in week seven. And I feel like, Tyler, we should probably just start with the Friday night matchup. Bed board. Will <laughs> is now three and two, or two and three. Will's coming back. Two and three. Yeah. Uh, BYU, they get the uh, the big win over Houston. However, look, I was nervous. It, that was a, a game for three quarters, and then really just in the fourth quarter, BYU went nuts. Yeah. And I don't know if that was more about BYU wasn't really playing that well before, and they, you know, that's kind of what we should have expected the full game, or if Houston just kind of like maybe collapsed. I think that whole game was defined on complacency. BYU gets up 14 nothing, and it's easy. We even see this in the NFL week to week, where a team will get up, and then take a little bit off, right? Take that foot slightly off the pedal. Yeah. I think BYU got up 14. They're like, hey. It's going to be another blowout. We're good to go. Before they knew it, they're down. Yeah. And then they kind of had to come back. They're down at halftime. Yeah. It was uh, 20 20 to 14 at halftime. And and I think the same thing happened with Houston, where they came back. And if they were were one touchdown away from going up uh, two scores late in the third. And so I think they kind of thought, all right, as long as we put one in here, you know, it's good to go. So I think that whole game was defined upon, you know, complacency and BYU pulled it out big, actually. Yeah. Well, and look, Houston. they definitely showed some real explosive uh, play on 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 offense, and their defense has a lot of of athletes. They're very athletic, and they have a lot of potential. But they're not really a team that plays for four quarters. It seems like both uh, starting cornerbacks were out. Yeah, and, and we're not gonna uh, look. We do this show early in the week for a specific reason. We want people to be able to get these bets early before the lines move, have enough time to listen. But there is a downside to that. Is there some information that's not going to come out till later in the week? I yeah. remember a couple of weeks ago, even though I still like Mississippi State, it was when they played Kentucky. When we did the show, the weather report was like, sunny, it's all good in Mississippi State. A day or two before the game, heavy rain showers expected. And I yeah. was like, this is no longer my favorite bet. So that's important for the audience to remember, you know, Keep in mind, stuff comes out through the week, and if you hear something specific, whether it's injuries, weather, whatever, keep in mind that our best bets may not be our best bets as we get closer to Saturday, but right. we did the show last week. I loved uh, Houston, and I sent you guys an article on Thursday night. Yeah. It was a Salt Lake article saying there were 17 players out for, for Houston. Now, on game day, it only ended up being 14, right. but eight of them were starters. Yeah. Three offensive linemen, two defensive backs at cornerback, and you could see early in the game, BYU's game plan pick on those young defensive backs and it yep. worked so there were a lot of injuries and I don't want to make it all you know put all the the blame on those young kids because they didn't know they'd be playing uh, you know up until 48 hours before the game yeah for sure and especially with just because of COVID this year we've seen a lot of that where you just don't know teams are kind of coy about uh 
you know, releasing which players are healthy or unhealthy. They don't want the other team to gain any advantage until right before the game. I mean, at this point, you probably have teams. There's probably a guy up in one of the press boxes, and his job is just during warm-ups to look and, and, and write down the jersey numbers and get an idea of who's playing and who's not. And, uh, and so that definitely makes it tough to gamble. And, I mean, it's, obviously it's impossible to say. But, yeah, if Houston is fully healthy, this could be a totally different game. Houston could be winning this game. We don't know. Uh, Zach Wilson looked awesome for BYU at quarterback. He had four, 400 yards and four touchdowns. I do think that they, they won the battle on, on the, at the line of scrimmage as well. Um, their defensive line was really good and w- was able to force Houston into a point where, you know, they, they weren't able to run the ball very effectively and, and forcing him to throw a lot. Um, but you look at BYU now, I mean, they, they did move up. Uh, I mentioned it last week. Their last game of the year was supposed to be Boise State. They just changed that. And I think the Boise State game is now just here in a few weeks. But that's all that's left for, for BYU as far as tough games. If they do that, they're probably going to be undefeated. And uh, like, a, you know, a, I, I don't know what the chances are. They have some chance of making the playoff if they go undefeated. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, what, what would your like? I would put it at like less than ten percent, but it's a chance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say you know ten to twenty percent. You need a lot of chaos, but also we don't know the rules this year. We don't yeah. know what the playoff committee is going to do for a Final Four. I mean, it's still maybe the same rules as always, right? Well, I didn't even mean Final Four. I mean the final teams. A lot of people are talking right now. Prominent figures in college football yep. are talking about: Do they expand to eight teams? Uh, you know, do they go to eight teams for this one year specifically? I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. Right. What was all that one in a million? Time? <laughs> <laughs> right. And but but look, if BYU goes undefeated, you know, I've said this forever. Any team who goes undefeated and doesn't have a chance to win the championship is complete bullshit in my mind. Like right. they deserve a shot. So whether it's a Pac-12 team or BYU, if you go undefeated. You know, y- you should be there. But like you said, they got B- uh, Boise in a couple weeks. Yeah, and, uh, big game. Yeah, if you're a Boise fan or know anyone who likes Boise, uh, be sure to check out the uh, Orange and Blue podcast. They oh, yeah? lose media. Yeah, new podcast this year. So uh, it's good. Yeah, they're just uh, all Fessler, Boise. right? All Boise all the time. Yeah, Tyler Fessler. Yeah. Tyler Fessler and Jeff Tuckett. Shout out. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that game. I, I, I liked starting with that, obviously, just because of the bet board. But it was also just a good a good game. It's always good when the Friday night game is entertaining. It just feels like you're leading into some good Saturday games, and we did get that, obviously. Uh, you know, we might as well jump into it. But Clemson, uh, <laughs> Clemson hammered Georgia Tech 73-7. to That was insane. The, I think they're a 46-point favorite going into their game this weekend. Uh, and I, to be honest, I almost want to jump on it. <laughs> I know that's an insane spread, but, uh, with how good Clemson looks right now, um, I mean, uh, it's tough. Like they look absolutely unbeatable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think right now neutral field Clemson's probably a, a five or six point favorite over Alabama. Ooh, do you want to make that bet? Do you want to make a futures bet right now? Well, how do we? That's if. Would you like to bet if, on it? Let, let, let's do it the future. If they meet up this season, if not, it's an, it's not a bet. So basically, if, like if they make the playoffs and, and they play each other in the playoffs, at any point during the year, if Alabama and Clemson play, I think I give Alabama plus field. Six. Yeah. No, I didn't say I'd take Clemson minus uh, six. I said I, I think they'd be favored by that much. Okay. Um. I mean, I'm trying I, to add some I more bet board action here. <laughs> I, I think that you are. I think it's it's closer than that. I believe they're probably within a field goal on a yeah, neutral maybe. field. Maybe. Well, Look, Alabama's a really good team. Yeah, I for think sure. That, I think the one thing I took away from last weekend is Alabama, Clemson. These teams are just on a different level. Once we for see sure. Ohio State play, you can maybe put uh, Ohio State in that category. But right. 
it's it's just it's it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm Bill Murray waking up in the same room, and it's like, oh, here we go, Clemson, Alabama, once again, for sure. And it, I mean, it's a testament to those guys. And obviously, Alabama they uh, they dominate Georgia. You know, this game they, they were down at halftime, but it didn't really feel. I don't know when I was watching this game, it didn't actually feel like Georgia was was winning, even though they were up uh, they were up four points at half and. I was nervous. I had money on Bama. I'm going, oh, I come know. on. And we both gave out Bama. Yeah. And that was one of my... I, I had some parlays riding on that. Um, How were your parlays this weekend? Uh, I hit on one. That's oh, no I way. I was going to guess you didn't because here's the thing with Will. <laughs> I usually only get a picture if you hit your parlay. I never hear a word when he's like losing, losing. the parlays. Yeah, so oh, congratulations. I, I at least... Uh, I copped that. We talked about that in last week's show about how like all my parlays got blown up immediately Saturday morning last week. But uh, you know, I usually play a few... Um, and, uh, all you need is one to hit, f- to stay, you know, in the black. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I was, I had a lot riding on Alabama. Do you bet red or black through. in Vegas? Uh, you know what? I've never actually done roulette in really? Vegas. Really? Yeah. Well, that's smart man right here. House odds for roulette. The house has about a four and a half percent edge. Yeah. Blackjack. It's like a half percent. Right. I love, I do like blackjack yeah. and I have yet to learn how to play craps because that looks like a lot of fun. Craps too. is a lot of fun. Here's the thing about craps. It's intimidating because there's so many different bets you can make, but it's a simple game. And really. you're betting on other people's roles and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but that's what's fun sometimes. Right. Well, it gets fun and it's not so fun. Uh, I remember one time I sat, I sit down at a table that was $50 minimums, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, that's 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 high up there. A lot yeah. of tables in Vegas are, you know, $10 minimums. Right. If you get there on a slow weekend, $5. So, you know, people at this table had some money, and I'm drunk. And this guy <laughs> to the right of me, you know, he's he's dressed really nice. You can tell this oh, dude's yeah. got a lot of money. He's putting $500,000 out there a roll. Oh, boy. He, I, I, I get there, and I'm talking to him. He's, we get a little good rapport. He goes, all right, all right, man. He puts, I don't know how much money, a lot of money. My first roll, I crap out. I'm just like, I can't do this. Oh, it's too much no. pressure. It is a lot of pressure. It is, yeah, if but you're responsible But that probably makes that. it fun if you're winning money for other people because then everyone, it's like it's like a party. Everyone, Everyone's friends there. And a lot of the guys with money, they'll give you money. They'll tip you. They'll, they'll throw you a $100 chip I like that. $50 chip if you're making them a lot of money so it's fun but in terms of the actual game like it, it's not as complicated as it uh, looks if, right. we, if we go to there's Vegas just so many different, there's so many different bets on there and, yeah. and, and I don't know what's going on it's always so intimidating when you just walk up yeah, and you sure. don't know what's happening well but. it really all depends on who you are because I don't know how many times I've been in Vegas with you Tyler and how many times you've explained to me craps and I'm still just sitting on your shoulders like what do I do here what do I do here it's it's exactly like sports but I, I don't know why it doesn't resonate with me and like it doesn't sink in right but it's it's you need a crash course the general idea in craps for the for the listeners is for those who don't know if you roll a number uh you want to hit that number again before a seven that's the most basic rules if you roll a six hmm. The key is to roll another six before you get a seven. I see. And seven is the most likely of all the combinations yeah. with two dice. That's right? where the house gets their odds. But let's say you roll a six. You can also bet side bets on every other number but seven. Right. So you can constantly be winning as long as there's not a seven that comes up. But uh, Push the button. And that's what I was going to say. If you're apprehensive, in Vegas, they do have these machines that... Uh, where you can push a button and you sit and play your own little craps game pretty much. And so it's a very easy way to learn the game and get acclimated with the game without the they whole... Have it, like at the table? Uh, well, no, it, it's a completely different game. It's kind of like in a little uh, electronic game where oh, they okay. have dice in the middle of it, real dice. Hmm. But you you push a button and yeah, that's what the chick says on the thing. Push the button! <laughs> and you push it and yeah, end up... Uh, okay, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. We probably all should get out to Vegas together sometimes. We should. I know you guys have gone for the Super Bowl a lot and I haven't made it out with you. You so, ought to come uh, soon. I don't know if we're... 
I, I doubt we're going this year right COVID. with covid but the year after you got to come man okay all right we'll make it work always an open invite um well i did get a winner bet on alabama there and look they just georgia is really good and i think you you mentioned it earlier that alabama and clemson are kind of in a class of their own and i would you know we'll see how it looks this year but i still think ohio state is in that group that top three and then after that it is a huge drop off and i think georgia's at the top of that but they are still they're just not on that level of alabama or clemson or uh or ohio state and you know uh stetson bennett He's a good player. I mean, for a guy who's a walk-on to be going and playing in this huge game against Alabama, and he actually looks pretty good. Their defense is incredible, but this Alabama offense just has so many ways to beat you. Uh, their defense was fired up from getting you know torched by Ole Miss the week previous, and for them to come out and play Georgia, a really good team, and to get a really dominant victory, I mean, they shut them out in the second half. I think that's a really big win for them for sure. All right, I always like to play this game. Yeah. If you look back at the Alabama-Georgia matchup, was it the players or was it the coaches? Because I could make a strong argument for either. If I was in debate class in high school and I was given players, right? Right. I could give you a great argument as to why Alabama had the better players than could win But right. I could also say, make a great argument that, look, if Nick Saban and his staff switch sidelines, then suddenly I'm taking Georgia, Right. What do you think it's more, players or the coaching staff? Uh, I mean, it's I know tough. I'm kind of putting this I, it, on you. Well, right it's just now, kind of like a chicken and egg thing because obviously the coaching no, staff the, the brings the players. First, man. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I always love that the chicken and the egg. Yeah. You can't just there has to be an egg tower. You can't just create a chicken from nothing, huh. right? But where'd the egg come? from? I never from? thought about it, it that came way. Came from a chicken, stupid. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, look, I think that. The coaches bring in, you know, the reason why Alabama has better players is because of Nick Saban, obviously. But you're right. Like, I think if you put Saban on that, if you have the coaches straight up switch, I think that Alabama still wins with Kirby Smart, but I think it might be closer because I do think Saban's that much better. Look, if you look back, I, I could make an argument for either, so I'm not going to say definitively one or the other. But my one takeaway from that whole, you know, players uh, on each side, Alabama has done such a good job recruiting wide receivers oh, yeah. all the way back to like Julio Jones. Dude, and, and decades, he, yeah. Dude, here's the thing. There's a lot of, I think we'd all agree in this room that the whole high school five-star rating system's broken, right? Now, a lot of five stars are good, but there's just as many two or three stars that get overlooked. For Alabama to consistently be bringing this kind of talent in, I mean, last year would they have two or three receivers go? Henry Ruggs, they got yeah, they got, Judy, yeah, Judy, Jerry, Judy, and now they All have Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith it's and this crazy. other guy. It's that to me is not getting good players and coaching them up. That is an eye for recruiting, an eye for talent, and you have to give credit to Alabama putting a staff around him. I've said this before, putting a staff around him that can go out, find these guys, and bring him to Tuscaloosa. Now, if you offer pretty much any receiver in the country a scholarship to Alabama, they'd take it. For but sure. Alabama does a good job getting the right guys in place, and man, they're just so electric. Right. Well, and the crazy thing, too, you know, it's one thing, you like, especially when we're talking about Alabama and Clemson, for example, they're doing it in such different ways. Like, uh, Clemson, obviously, is a powerhouse, but... Uh, Dabo Swinney has been able to keep his staff. I mean, how long has Brett Venables been his defensive exactly, coordinator? Yeah. Meanwhile, Saban, it's like every year he loses both his coordinators. They get a head coaching job somewhere else. And he that, that's even more impressive to me that he continues it despite the fact that his coaching staff is a is a carousel of coaches Dude, in and out. You're exactly right. And like how incredible is that that he can lose he can lose his entire, you know, both coordinators, a ton of uh, you know, positional coaches, and it just keeps on going. I mean, it really is it speaks to Saban. And we didn't even talk about it yet, but like 
he almost missed this game, you know? Uh, and, and it ended up being all the jokes were like, oh, he survived COVID and kicked its ass. But clearly it was a false positive that, that happened in the first place. Because, because he got the, three negatives after. Yeah, all of his tests afterwards became negative. But it, it was really interesting because that line, you know, it, the line was like six, Alabama favored by six. And then when it got announced that he had tested positive, the Saban tested positive for COVID and he wasn't going to be able to coach, that dropped down to like three. So there's that's a yep. th- three point movement for the coach. And to be honest with you, I didn't think it was enough because because what happened is the second I saw the news, I went straight to my Fanduel app and I was like, let's see where this number is. They had taken it off the board, and then like an hour later, it was back up. And I was expecting George, I was expecting it to be a pick'em because I I actually do think Saban is maybe that you know, and maybe it's because his coordinators are still there calling the plays. But it seemed like to me that. If there's one head coach that's worth more than three points, it's got to be Nick Saban. I was uh, talking about, uh, uh, on my podcast, another plug, the Sharp Angle podcast, every single day on your favorite podcast player. Uh, I was saying on Saturday morning, or on Friday when I was talking about the game, I was like, I hope they have, you know how sometimes they have a, sp- a specific camera on people or like, yeah. or like they like, you know, we'll find a player's parents in the yes, stands. Yeah. I wanted them to have the Saban watch that would pan the crowd and look for like, a guy wearing the go- the 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 glasses and mustache disguise, you know, have try- it be fake Saban, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like yeah. where's Saban in the crowd, or if it's real Saban with yeah. the, with the disguise there, like he's like dressed, he like wears like a a fat suit or something like yes. that, like tries to get in and like he's on the walkie talkie or texting down. Well, he had said before they had announced that he was going to be back that he was going to find a way to be in communication with his coach, even though that's like against the rules. He can't. They they're not allowed to talk via like phones or radios or anything like that if he's not physically there in the stadium so i was wondering how like is he just gonna have runners like the mafia did back in the <laughs> 70s like like he has some 16 year old kid sprint inside the stadium all right tell tell <laughs> sarkeesian this this cornerback's doing this you know i uh well with, with sarkeesian you got to be careful you get him alone you don't know if he's sneaking shots on the sideline <laughs> sober little, sober sark he's, well. he's got a little flask in the in the pants <laughs> hey nick saban's out there it's kind of like dad's gone that's, that's <laughs> a, that is a good point if he gets the reins of that program but i actually heard I, it was on the espn one of their one of those hacky shows they have yeah they, they were talking about the possibility and i guess it was actually discussed at the ncaa to change the rules so and, you can have coaches like from yeah. home being able to talk on radio headsets. Yeah, and the big thing was, hey, we're not changing this, co- or we're not looking at this because of Nick Saban, but we came to all sure. this. <laughs> we came to all this COVID talk without really thinking it through, and right. the coaches should have it right now. Obviously, that wasn't the, the case, but right. whatever. Yeah. Even if it is just about Saban, like Saban's kind of earned it at this point. He's like the godfather of college football right, right now. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why he's the best coach in college football. So if you're going to change I, the rules for anyone, like I get that they're not going to talk about it when Utah State's head coach <laughs> can't can't make the game. But when Saban does, it's a different deal, and rightfully so. I think Nick Saban is the best head coach ever. Yeah, you're probably right. Do you guys think he gets another crack at the NFL? I don't no. know if he wants to. He, I think he would have already if he really wanted to. But, I mean, he's like 68 years old. Yeah. So if he was going to, I mean, he's already – he could have done it like four years ago after he won a bunch of championships – in Alabama. He's just got such a good thing going on. He gets any player he wants to. Speaking of good things going on, how about Dabo? Dabo's the next Nick Saban. Yeah, exactly. As long as he sticks around long enough. Because he played at Alabama. He's an Alabama grad, and so he's just waiting on on, on, on Saban to retire so he can come in. I wonder if he will because, you know, he's he's got it made there at Clemson for sure. I don't know. I think Alabama... But to go back home to your alma mater, that's a big deal for a lot of coaches. Like Harbaugh did it with Michigan. You know, that's not necessarily a, a step up from being... I'm sure he had offers to stay in the NFL when he left the Niners. Wow. He goes to the Jets with Trevor Lawrence. 
Oh, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, that would be pretty Except good. Except how, no. cool. how about no? How about you want to protect your winning legacy and not go to the Jets? Dude, if you're Trevor Lawrence, he's going back to school. I'm pulling <laughs> I'm pulling a, uh, a Elway or an Eli Manning and just being like, no, trade me. I won't play for you. Why yeah. would you want to play for the Jets? Like, seriously. Like, I'd rather play for the Browns. Like, name any organization, the Jags, than the Jets right now. They're garbage. Yeah, I It could know. ruin his whole career. He could get hurt because of it because that team sucks. I know. You know? I know. But I, I guess know. if they team up with Dabo, who knows? Dabo's not, Dabo would not work in New York, dude. No one in New York is going to love Dabo Swinney. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that does not play. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just playing Dabo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It always sounds like we don't know what these guys are thinking, though. Like I, We are dealing with, when you talk about Saban, who's already tried it, but Dabo Sweeney... I'm making an assumption because I don't know the guy, but I'm assuming he's hyper competitive. He's oh, one yeah. of those type A personalities that's so driven. So we don't know what he's thinking behind. You know, if he wins four championships the next twelve years, yep. you know, it's like who knows what the future holds. And I'd love to see him paired up with uh, with Sunshine. Well, and Sunshine. and just just to that point, I never in a million years thought that Cliff Cliff Kingsbury was going to get hired. Right. Yeah, no the dude was 500 in the Big 12. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's tough to tell. Well, I think it's more about... They just want offensive minds in the NFL. Yeah, like it's about why. scheme, and offense. And he's not yeah. really that, you know? So, yeah. Uh, moving on. I said it last week, and God damn it if I wasn't right, but... Uh, well, we know Houston won. We no, know no, they no, beat no, BYU. No. Louis, Louis, <laughs> Louisville, uh, Louisville, I'm, I'm off them. They roasted me three times. I said, I want to take them this week to cover. They were like 16-point favorites at Notre Dame, and I said, no, I won't, but watch. They'll cover. I thought they were dead to you. Notre Dame, they were dead to me, and they still are because now they only win it when I won't bet them. You know, it's like Schrodinger's cat, but I love betting. how personal you take it when you lose these games. Fuckers. You're like, this team is dead to me. I'm never betting them again. Dude, I said it. I said I wanted to take them, but I, was, I wasn't going to go over. Oh, and four and then sure enough they almost beat Notre Dame I mean 12 to 7 right. is a ridiculous and uh final score between those two teams I would have guessed that would game would go way over it was just a shit show it was, you know not great weather and you know the fact that Louisville could hold Notre Dame to 12 points is insane I bet Will has a burner account that he just goes <laughs> off on these teams when they lose, like lose no. his money. He'll like direct message the coach. If anything, how I'm, the hell could you I'm call that third to down spend play? Less time on Twitter because it's just like it can be so toxic. Twitter sometimes. is getting worse yeah. and worse. I want a burner account now, just for all these idiots on there. <laughs> That's all make, the Twitter is we anymore. Make a burner. burner account. Yeah, I know it is. It's like more burners than not. All right, we will make a college football weekly burner <laughs> account, and if anyone out there can successfully find it, there will be a prize. I like that. <laughs> um, by the way, follow follow the. Show show at twitter on our real not burner account at cfb weekly yeah uh also sticking in the uh top five even though not anymore obviously florida state beat north carolina where the where did this come from where did florida state you know look i, I do think north carolina was was overrated and i would have told you that even though i, I picked them in that game i would have told you they weren't a top five team i think it's just a drop off after the top three but for florida state who's played like shit you know and, and look north carolina almost came back and won this Florida State was up 31-7 to at halftime and didn't score the whole second half. So clearly, Mac Brown and his coaching staff were able to make adjustments on, on this Florida State team. And I do think this was kind of a, a bit of a fraudulent win for the Seminoles. But they still pull it off, 31-28. Huge upset, huge win for Mike Norvell. I just don't know where it came from. I don't know either. I mean, they changed quarterbacks, obviously. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I think this team hasn't quit. I mean, Mike Norvell said after the game, 
They believe in what we're doing. They're getting better every day, and they're right. fighting. And I think we can see that. You know, uh, a game coming up this week that I don't think we're going to spend much time on, Florida State-Louisville. You talk about teams that may be going in different directions, and I don't want to be so focused on one week and overreact. Right. But Louisville looks like a team to me that's kind of broken down. They may have a little bit of quit in them right now. And Florida State, yeah, if any indication, you know, how they're playing last week, they're not go- they're, they're not going anywhere. And they're I think buying we, in. Yeah, and, and it's not like they have bad players you know? Well, they have some on the offensive line. I'll, I'll at least say that. But you're right. They have a ton of talent elsewhere. Right. I mean, it's still Florida State. You know, they're always going to recruit better than the likes of I wonder you know, how, how a team like Florida State, though, ends up with such bad offensive linemen. Like, I feel like you're, you're, it, it's a hotbed in Florida. You got to. Right. How do you have a blind spot anywhere? I think that, especially with, the, I mean, they struggled at the offensive line spot for like the last like four or five years really bad. And I think once it gets that bad, it gets that much harder to recruit those kids in. And, and then once again, get them to buy in. They're, they're, they have a new offensive line coach like every year. You know, maybe it's a new scheme, a new offensive coordinator. I don't know, man. It's tough. It's really tough, but huge win for them. So good for the Seminoles finally getting the, in the win category in the ACC. Uh, Texas A&M beat Mississippi State. Uh, that was a win column for a uh, pick that we gave out there. Mississippi State finally scored an offensive touchdown. Uh, so they scored 14 points, but seven of those uh, did not come from the offense. So the fact that that was their first offensive touchdown, I think, in three games. I'm not giving up. Uh, Hail State. I think you should give up. Hail State. Look, I'm not giving up on Mike Leach long term there, but this year I am giving up. I think they ended up benching uh, Costello, too. So, yeah. you know, like a lot of turnovers for Mississippi State. Look, I'll admit, I try and keep <laughs> my emotions out of it usually. I'm all emotion with them. They look terrible. They're not they're doing really anything, bad. but they're my they're my SEC team, right? We, we all picked a team this year, to, you know, in each conference to, to root for. So I'm all in. Let's go. Hail State. Hail State. Hey, just your guys' opinion. It, does this year to you guys feel like it's almost it almost feels like the NCAA tournament? Like you, in you, what way? In the fact that it feels like anybody can beat anybody week to week. Oh, like the basketball tournament, you mean? I yeah, exactly. I almost feel like it's like that in the NFL too. You're seeing some weird things well, happen. I mean, sure. without preseason, without you know training camp. Well, preseason yeah. in the NFL, but without training camp, it's like no. Yeah, I think you, you you're know right. we, we were hot on the Rage and Cajuns early, and right. then they get torched. Well, and, by and Coastal Carolina, who, exactly. who at least is it's, like playing hot right now. But uh, yeah, like like for guys who do bet. This has probably got to be such a hell of a year for you guys because you're not sure what to bet. No, exactly. And I mean, honestly, there's, you know, for those who like to bet the sharper angles, that may be the, it may be a a good year because so many people who typically bet the the squares or the favorites, they're not covering and they're not doing well. But I will say this. For all of us in this room, Will, a Michigan fan, Ryan and I, University of Colorado fans, that's good for our teams because yep. maybe we can sneak in, get a couple wins that may not have been expected before. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And yeah, I mean, you're right. I think it is because especially this year, I mean, you literally have a top three, uh, you know, probably four, uh, four with Ohio State. We just haven't seen them play yet. And past that, like... Who knows? Who's the who knows who's the fifth best team is right now? Once you get past Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, who I, I Georgia is still in that top four for me. Who could possibly who, who do you put it? Yeah, at I mean, the I mean it's, right it's just, like I was saying, it's just like the NCAA basketball tournament. You've ha- you have those top four number one seeds maybe, right. and then right anybody can lose to anybody yeah. on any given week. I mean, so. like right now the number six, you know, Notre Dame's three. There's no way they're a top three team right Hell now. Hell no. Uh, they just scored 12 points on Louisville. Uh, Oklahoma State's at six. Maybe they're the, the fifth best team right now, the sixth best team. Oh my gosh. We're going to find out. Are you going to give me any credit? 
I called yes, that national yes. championship day well, freaking Well, I'm not giving you one. credit for that because that's not <laughs> happening, but maybe they win the Big 12. We'll see. Is this good, though, for college football? Are man? you going to give me credit for telling you that Auburn and Bo Nix sucked? Because yes, they just lost yes, to South Carolina. Yes. They're 2-2. Two and two. They were ranked 15th, which was insane. Uh, South Carolina gets the win outright. That was another. I picked them plus two. That was one we gave out. I had, I finally had a winning week. I went four and three, thankfully. There we go, Will. Um, Will's heating up. I'm telling you, when Will gets hot, I, I, I start shaking in my boots. You <laughs> don't want to fade Will when he starts heating up. He's won two in a row in the bet board. You know, I got I to gotta dial it back in. Hey, where, where there's a Will... There's a uh, right. Uh, never heard that one before. Uh, Bonix, <laughs> Bonix went 24 for 47. Only one touchdown. Okay, he we had, get he it. Well, I understand. Picks. He just sucks, dude. <laughs> and I don't hate the kid, but uh, the, the Auburn's just not going to win a lot of games when they have to rely on him. And so, uh, yeah, tough for them. Tough for Tennessee, man. Tennessee. Uh, they get blown out by Kentucky 34-7. They threw two pick sixes consecutively at one point. Jared Garantano did. Then they benched him, brought another guy. That dude threw a pick immediately. Here's an interesting stat for Kentucky. They have allowed nine points the last two weeks, and in those same two weeks, they have nine interceptions. Kentucky's forced nine interceptions, so that was big for them. Uh, that's really all I got for the recap. So what we're going to do now, Tyler, is we are going to get into... Uh, what this is a recurring segment. It used to be Tyler's outdated movie reviews. Now it's Will's outdated movie reviews. Are we getting to you watch Minority Report? I watch Minority Report. All right, I'll give you a little intro here. Yeah. All right, it's time for Will's outdated movie reviews. You like that? Yeah, I love it. Did okay. I say report, by the way? Uh, minority I, Report? I don't know. What did you say? I don't know if I, I might have said movie report. Either way, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll watch Minority Report. Yes. The Tom Cruise classic. 2002 film from uh, from Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise. Uh, all right. I'm going to start with this. I think this movie came out at the wrong time because I think that if you had the same story and it was based on like a short story, so it wasn't just like an original script, whatever, that doesn't matter. But if this movie were to come out today, I think they could do it really great. I think that that era of like sci-fi films um, and CGI just wasn't great. And so rewatching it does make it a little difficult. I didn't love it. And I'm going to give you just a a list of reasons why basically. Um, So the basic plot line is that uh, Tom Cruise is part of this pre-crime division in DC. It takes place in the future. It takes place in 2054. And what happens is they have these these uh, people called precogs that are like kind of like uh, psychics. And they can see crimes happening in the future. And then this detective, who is Tom Cruise, he puts the crime together. And they go and try to stop the murder right before it happens, right? They, they prevent a, an eventual murder. And so it does play on cool... You know, the whole determination versus free will. It's a cool subject to toy around with. Um, but there were just certain things about it that I didn't love. Anytime you deal with that kind of uh, de- determination versus free will, there's obviously going to be a ton of plot holes. That's like that's that's a, a nightmare to try to make that where it doesn't have plot holes. You're you know, one of these plot hole kind of guys. Is this where we're going with no, this? I'm not gonna, I, no, I'm not getting crazy with that. I, I, I'm, honestly, I'm giving them credit because it, anytime you do something like that, like, ooh, well, they can prevent this. Why didn't they prevent this? You know, you just get into, you're waiting in some, in some muck at that point. And so I don't think they did a terrible thing about that. But okay, so opening scene, it kind of opens with showing how the pre-crime works, right? So they, they see this, uh, this murder happen at, at these uh, precogs, these psychics give out a name for the victim and the, and the uh, perpetrator, and then they try to piece it together, right? So what happens is uh, Tom Cruise and his team get like 
dispatched out and they got to find out where this guy is to prevent this murder. It's this guy who uh, finds his wife having an affair and he's going to stab her to death with scissors. Oh, pretty graphic, right? Um, opening. So this takes place in the future. They have flying hover machines. They have like uh, they, they rappel down and they know the guy's name. They know the victim's name and they're standing outside a row of houses and they're like, which one is it? Wait. And he calls back. He's like, is the door open? It's like, wait, just what? They don't, they can't Google his fucking name. You are and so find his address. Please. That's so, <laughs> that's the first thing I thought is like, do, do these houses not have numbers? Do they not have mail? Like, So, they, so just to add to that, it, it, it is like, don't, don't the names come out on wooden balls? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're like laser etched wooden balls that look like gumballs. Have we ever heard of email? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so like th- that was the first thing I thought is like, wait, th- like they know his name. Like they couldn't just do a quick search to find this guy's tax <laughs> returns and know his address as opposed to like having to guess if the, if the door is open. So that was just one small thing that pissed me off. Um, the movie, it, it was a little bit uh cheesy as far as like sci-fi movies go from that era they all kind of look the same to me it's like there's very little color everything is just like uh bright brightly lit you know like there was this weird glare thing going on in the movie the whole time where like anytime they're outside there was a lot of glare from like the sunlight and obviously they're doing it intentionally i just didn't like it um there's a scene you know the whole thing was like at one giant ad for Lexus, the Gap, and Bulgari. <laughs> I kept seeing like the Gap, so like true. like shopping. Yep. There was like Lexus all over the place, and I'm sure they got a pretty penny for that. So good for them, but it was just kind of weird. Um, and then a couple things. So just, we can never get Lexus as a sponsor so, on this <laughs> show now. <laughs> no, I'm all for it. It's just you know, it's just like it was too in the face. It wasn't you know, it wasn't subtle at all. Yeah, we'll burn it was that like, Lexus bridge down. Like, let, let's make sure we get a scene where he's in the gap, you know? Like, it's just, it's 2054 and we still have the gap. I don't know. It was weird. Um, uh, and then there were some things that just happened in the movie that just, like, pissed me off, right? So, uh, what happens is Tom Cruise, he's the detective, and then he gets one of these, uh, these like, gumball things that tell you uh, who the murderer is going to be and he start, he's looking at the crime and he sees himself right so the, the plot is that he's the detective and now there's a future crime where he's the one that is perpetrating this murder and he goes on the run right because now they're obviously going to arrest him for murder he goes on the run and one of the places he ends up is at this old woman's house and she ends up being like one of the early you know kind of starters of this uh, pre-crime unit and she kind of mastered she found these psychics that we call the precogs and uh, there's a scene where she's like in her greenhouse and she's watering her plants and he's asking her, he's like asking all these questions because he's trying to understand how the precogs work because he thinks, well, I'm not going to commit this murder. So obviously there's a mistake with the precogs. And there's this weird scene where she whispers into his ear and then kisses him on the lips. And there, there was just no, there was no need for it. It had nothing to do with the storyline. She's never met him before. And it was just, I remember just being like, what? What is happening? She whispers in his ear like, it's called a minority report. And then just <laughs> just smooches him right on the lips and he doesn't even react. And it was weird. Um, there, you know, there's uh, just some things that just annoyed me and were lazy. Uh, there's a popular drug that people were using and it's just called narrowin. It's like you couldn't even come up with a new drug name. That, that, that just, reminds me of heroin that and then the letter. On, on Avatar where the, uh, the thing they're mining is called unobtainium yeah 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 thank you and it's just like it's just like all right that's a little lazy narrowing like just yeah. come up with a new drug name um uh, there's a, so, a scene so can i make an assumption you're not yeah. one of these people who just lets the movie come to them huh no you, you no, got look, a, i was i was honestly trying to give it a chance i think the longer it went on like just some of the pretty things long movie too. are just yeah it was like two and a half hours 
some of the things just kind of I was just like, oh well, that's giving you know he he sneaks into the uh, the old uh, crime unit in order to to kidnap one of these precogs and take her with him, right? And he does it by you know there's this whole scene where he takes his eyeballs out and he's so and it, you know security is all like retinal scans, so he keeps his old eyeballs in a bag with him so he can get back into this thing, right? We're in the future. Clearly, there's some administration errors. They're still allowing his eyeballs to have access, <laughs> even though he's a, a, a murder suspect. Um, and then he drops his eyeballs. like, like Some I- administration <laughs> errors? Yeah, the, some admin <laughs> errors. Uh, he drops both his eyeballs on like this conveniently steep slope. Well, and they uh, start rolling away yeah, from it him. And it's like, like dun, dun, dun. It seems like you just have problems with like things that, that yes. Steven Spielberg yes. put in the movie to make it more dramatic. Yes. You know? I don't think that like the door, his the eyeballs eyeball. rolling away, and he, he snags one right before it goes look, in the drain. It's just kind of cheesy. You, yeah, but sometimes you got to write this stuff in to just keep it going I and guess. keep all the audiences in. Look, you're right. I remember when I was watching once uh, with my dad, we were watching some sitcom. Uh-huh. And I made a comment like that. I go, why'd they say that? And my dad goes, because they wouldn't have had a plot if he didn't. Right. It's just like, to me, it seems like there could have been other ways to do that than like, well, what if he drops his eyeballs and eyeballs are round, right? They could start rolling. It's, it's a cheap way <laughs> to, get a, cheap. to get someone's yes. heart going. It's, it's yeah. a, you're right. It's a cheap cheap trick. Um, and I, then, love, I love cheap tricks. And then he goes in and, and these precogs are like kept in like this like big like kind of like hot tub swimming pool thing. They're floating. And uh, he's trapped in there, right? They're like, he's locked in. He can't go anywhere except there's a flush button because it's a <laughs> toilet, apparently. So he pushes flush. He goes down the drain with the precog chick. Uh, never says where that drain goes or how he gets out. Somehow he's just magically out. Um, that was kind of weird. Um, and so then the, my only other thing, <laughs> my only other hey, thing hey, here. Hey, listen, Will's a tough nut to crack. I I've know. known him for a long time. Doesn't take a lot. It he's, takes he's, a lot to please me. I'm not he's, easily pleased. He's a tough nut. If to crack. I ever make a movie, I'm running everything through. I'm going to filter th- okay, it through. Your Will. movie would be better if he's you do that. Be, so. I know. See, I, I, I'm not sure why I produced this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steven Spielberg, though. The only other thing, uh, there's a scene towards the end. So you find out that like the the old man, I can't remember his name, but he was like the founding father of this pre-crime unit. He ended up, uh, you know, basically getting away with a murder. He ended up murdering one of the precog's mothers because she wanted her baby back, and he knew that without uh, this precog, you know, this psychic, that there would be no pre-crime. He wouldn't be able to save murder, so he kills his mom or her mom and gets away with it. And then he ends up, you know, you that's kind of the the twist at the end is that this guy that seems like he's such a good guy. Uh, he he ends up being the bad guy, and and that's fine. A lot of movies kind of follow that same trope. But one of the things that he did, and I I feel like it just annoys me because I've seen it in so many movies. There's a scene where uh where Tom Cruise's wife is like talking with him, and he just gives it away. He's like, you know, the, what happened is uh the old man drowned this woman. That's how he got. That's how he and committed lively. the crime. And lively, thank you. And the woman. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise's wife is now asking him about the sand lab. He's like, who is she? And he's like, oh, I've never heard that name before. And then she's like, well, he said that he was innocent and that this Ann Lively woman was murdered by whoever committed these real crimes. And he goes, well, you know what? Uh, if it makes you feel better, I'll have a, I'll have the guys look into uh, any any murder where a woman was drowned. And she goes, I never said that she was drowned. And I feel like that. I've just like that. I remember immediately. I was like, well, they did that in Harry Potter one time, uh, which would have came out after this, I suppose. Um, but it's just like kind of a tried movie trope where like the bad guy gives it away by revealing a detail he's not supposed to have knowledge of. And I, you know, whatever. It's stupid to, to point it because lots of movies do that. Um, the only cool, the thing I really liked about this, I ended up reading about it afterwards, 
is the idea that everything that happened after Tom Cruise was... So the way it ends is Tom Cruise is arrested and then they find out the bad guy is really the bad guy and then everything goes great for him, right? He gets his, his life back. He and his wife reconnect. It ends with like everything's happy ever after. She's pregnant with their next baby. Um, you know, everything is great. They dissolve the pre-crime program, blah, blah, blah. But someone said, oh, that all could just be a dream at the end because what happens is when, when these pre-crime people are arrested, they put this like halo thing on their head and they go into like a sort of prison of the mind, right? They're, they become prisoners, but the, there's this scene where when he first goes in there after he's arrested and the prison guard guy is like, they say that, you know, it's not so bad. He's like talking to him and he's like, they say that you have dreams and all your wildest dreams come true. Everything that happens after that point is like this guy gets taken down for the murder and Tom Cruise rekindles his relationship with his ex-wife and she's pregnant. Everything is good as happening. So the idea is that, Oh, actually, none of that happened. That's all basically just a dream within his head. And and uh, had you not heard this theory? Did you see that on a Reddit or something? Yeah, I, I, I did some you know some googling. That's I've never heard of that before. Yeah, that's so, interesting though. I could I could I could see that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, overall, I'd say uh, if I'm going to give this out of a star rating, ooh, I would, the stars I, uh, out of ten stars, I'm going to give it four. However, whoa, four stars. <laughs> Jeez, but. Uh, I would say that it, I I really believe if they remade this movie today with like some more modern looking things and maybe some you know uh, like I, I I don't hate Tom Cruise but it just seems like he's the same in every movie he rarely plays like a different guy you know he's just always himself I think if they had some if they remade this movie I think it could be a lot better like I think it's a really cool story and idea I just don't think the execution was great that's my four opinion. stars four well, that is harsh I will say early Tom Cruise you know risky business Top Gun I thought that was but yeah later in his career it's all yeah. like Mission Impossible Minority it's just Report like, so what's your type, scale type, here type like guy. like, like is five average? Uh, no, I would say like four is pretty average. I think most movies aren't good. Um, that's Will, all. Will's a tough critic. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, some dude. of my Will favorite movies, I would only give like eights to. But I, I mean? will say, tough critic. But the majority of movies he recommends, yeah, great. yeah, no, super yeah, good. But poof, Will. I look. I, it's a cool idea, and maybe that is harsh. I, I think I was just watching it. And Will like, is tough to please. I, <laughs> I, I am tough w- to, with movies, especially. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I'm easygoing about a lot of things in life. I'm not just like crazy picky. Yep. But uh, <laughs> what about that food? One especially what about food. Are you picky with food? No, not at all. I'll eat anything. Love food. Have you ever seen uh, the movie Sausage Party? Uh, okay, I saw like the first 45 minutes and fell asleep. I never ended. It was hilarious though. I, I need to go back and rewatch it. I just never got around to it. Uh, but those first like 45 minutes, I was, it was killing me. It was cracking boy. me up. I, Way better than I would like to. Report. One of these shows, we've got to come up with a movie plot ourselves. Okay, we have to. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. Like we, we should write our own movie. Yeah, at least come up with the idea. Maybe we could do that at the we end of the show. We just won't have any scene where it's like, you what? know, I never said that he was wearing a red shirt. What do you think at the end of the show? Let's spend five or ten minutes doing it. Okay. If people don't want to listen, then hey, they can turn it off at the end of the show. Okay. That ah, works. There we go. That's perfect because we're going to get into best bets now anyway. Best so bets. We've got our best bets for week eight. A lot of good games. The Big Ten obviously being back, so we'll have some Big Ten games. But we are going to start in the SEC. Alabama going on the road at Tennessee. Currently a 21-point road favorite here. Uh, what we saw Alabama can do against an elite defense like Georgia was really impressive. So I think the question becomes, how does Tennessee plan on stopping uh, this, this tied offense at all? And more importantly, uh, 
How the fuck does Tennessee plan on keeping pace and scoring points with Alabama when they can't throw the ball? Jared Garantano had major issues last week against Kentucky. He threw two pick sixes. Their run game uh, that had looked solid before got basically completely shut down by Kentucky. Some of that was game flow, but even still, they you know they looked terrible on offense. All that mojo they had from being on a, a win streak last year coming into this year, now they've had two losses in a row. Um, you know, or, uh, yeah, two, they had two in a row, Georgia and then Alabama. Um, I just, I, I think that, especially against Alabama, if Alabama scores quick, which we expect them to do, and they have to abandon the run game again, they're, let's say they're down two scores and Tennessee can no longer afford to just run the ball. How on earth are they going to score against this Alabama team? At this point, the only thing that is going to keep Alabama from winning this game by more than 21 points is a slump or a hangover from the big Georgia win. And while I do think that's a possibility, we've seen that in the past, I don't see it happening this game. I think that Mac Jones is so dialed in. Najee Harris, this offensive line, uh, is doing such a good job of protecting him. He's getting the ball to all of his playmakers. The defense finally looks good. I think that if teams that, that give Alabama's defense struggles run tempo, and Tennessee does not do that. Georgia did not do that. Ole Miss did, and that's why we saw them score a bunch of points, or maybe they did steal the signals. Who knows? Um, but... Uh, it's a huge number, and I hope I don't regret it. All the public is going to be all over Alabama here. I'm going to take them to minus 21. Yeah, this is a complete pass for me, and I know that's not exciting or entertaining, but look, I'm not going to make this a bet board game because I have a rule. I don't bet against Nick Saban. I don't care what the line is or what the situation is. I don't do it. I've lost too much money. People lose too much money that way. I mean, he's just so good against the spread, and in sports betting, the spread is the great equalizer. That's why all these different coaches, you go back and look at their career, the best coaches of all time are like 55% against the spread if they're really, really good. And so I, I 21 points, you know, I'm not going to take Tennessee plus 21 because I don't bet against Alabama, but also I don't want to swallow 21 and now have Alabama have to win by three touchdowns. Right. If I'm forced to take a pick, I'll take Bama, but I don't like anything about this game. And, uh, you know, this, this line opened uh, below 21, I, I, you can still find some places. I saw it on FanDuel earlier today. It was 20 and a half. Obviously, that's a much more ideal number than 21 because that three touchdown mark does get you over instead of just a uh, a push here. So if you can find it under 21, then great. I'm still probably going to take them here at 21, so I'll give that out. Uh, next game up, Virginia Tech Hokies going on the road to Wake Forest. This, this line has moved a ton. Virginia Tech opened up six and a half. They're now 10-point favorites. Uh, this Hokies offense is legit. They're scoring 40, 42 points per game. They're averaging seven yards per play. The run game is seemingly unstoppable right now. Uh, their last game against Boston College, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback for Virginia Tech, ran the ball more times than he threw it, and that wasn't because he was scrambling or anything like that. It was because they didn't have to throw the ball. He only threw the ball 15 times. They were just gaining so much on the ground. Uh, the Wake Forest defense is a dream matchup for them right now. They're giving up more than four yards per carry. Last week, Virginia uh, had three players average seven yards per carry against the Demon Deacons defense. Uh, the Hokies defense is definitely not what it used to be under Bud Foster. Uh, they're basically giving up as many yards on defense as they gain on offense, and yet somehow they're finding a way to outscore opponents by 11 points per game. Uh, that's big. That means that they are finding a way to close drives out with either field goals or turnovers. Um Virginia Tech has won six of their last seven against Wake Forest, with most of them being double-digit victories or blowouts. They I think they continue to pound the rock here and outscore Wake Forest enough to cover the spread. 
you, I hope that some of you got it out there at a lower number, but even still, I, I, I'm going to lay the points here with, with Virginia Tech, 10 points. God, Wake Forest is just getting better, though. I mean, I know they gave up a whole bunch of yards on the ground last week, but they still won 40-23, to 23, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not – when they give up yards, it's not equaling losses. And I just don't – I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to fade the early money, you know? I uh, – Something that I've been told, and, and, and by the way, keep in mind, when me and Will do these recaps, we're strictly talking the line, sports betting, right? Things like that. Right. I think Virginia Tech's going to win this game. And a very important thing that I learned early in my career with sports betting is that if you think you're smarter than everyone else, it doesn't take long to realize you're not, yeah. right? And often what will happen is just to kind of pull the curtain back on how professionals do it. There's only a few websites in the world that come out with openers, right? FanDuel, DraftKings, all these other websites we bet on wait until the line to kind of settle down right. before they put their numbers up. Right. So, you know, usually the the limits are only like a hundred dollars, two hundred yeah. bucks. You know, uh, when they, when these lines open up. So here's what'll happen: a uh, professional logs on on Monday or you know Sunday night whenever the lines come out, and they'll like. In this case, it was Virginia Tech. They'll bet them at seven and a half. That's what it opened up at. Right? Six and a half. So they'll bet them at six and a half. And they'll bet a max bet for $100. Yep. Now, they can do one of two things. The uh, bet online is a good example because they'll often come out with openers, okay? So bet online will say, yeah, we'll, we'll take whatever bet, but you can only bet 100 bucks. Now, they'll have profiles on these guys, okay? And they'll say, hey, one of our really good bettors just bet Virginia Tech minus 6.5. Should we move it up? And if the answer is yes, then they'll move it to 7. If the answer is no, then they'll keep it at 6.5 where you can make another max bet, okay? So what these guys will do is they'll make as many max bets as they can until the line hits a point where they don't want to make any more. So they'll make a bet till it goes to 7, and then they'll make another max bet at a hundred bucks and then it'll go to seven and a half and they'll make another max bet right if you suddenly think that everyone's made all these bets driven the line up and you're like oh i can get it now at 10 fading all of those people you're thinking you're smarter than the market right. so for that reason right. i'm gonna go virginia tech okay uh even though I i'm terrified i think we wake force is a lot better than people think i just hate fading the people who know so much about college football who jumped on this early yeah and uh, i mean so maybe you can help explain tower because you pr bet professionally you know, I'm looking at pregame right now, and pregame has some cool features where you can look at not just the spread or the total, or whatever. It shows how what percentage of the cash is on which team, what percentage of the tickets. Right now, 82% of the money on Virginia Tech, and only 60% of the tickets. So that tells us what. That tells us that a lot. Of, if you go to the window and you're betting five dollars a pop, but there's a hundred of you, and there's ten people who go up to the next window betting. $1,000 a pop, that's what that's saying. The people who know what they're doing betting a large amount are are influencing the line a lot more, and the people who are jumping in $5 or putting them in, in parlays or whatever, that that's running the ticket number up. So when you get a big discrepancy, tickets against money, that's when you can tell where the public money is. So the Sharps are on Virginia Tech, or at least were at a lower number right. at this point. Right. Um, next game up, so we're both going with the Hokies there, minus 10. Next game up. I, I like a good Hoagie. The Big Ten is back, Hoagies, Hokies. I like a turkey Hogie. Hokies and grinders. Hokey uh, Hogie. Hokies and grinders. You think that there's a place in Blacksburg that has a Hokey Hogie? It's like a turkey Hogie sandwich? Oh, so Absolutely. now this is your yeah, thing. Gotta be, now right? you're the one making up the Herbie's Hokey Hokey Hogies. Which would be more, more profitable, Herbie's Hokey Hogies or Felipe's Franks? Did you uh, just realize you said hoagie hoagie twice? No. <laughs> Herbie's hoagie, a.k.a. turkeys, hoagies. There we go. All right. Well, I do think that Felipe's Franks is more marketable nationwide, but I think that Herbie's, <laughs> Herbie's 
hokey hoagies is going to kill in Blacksburg. Yeah. In that whole Virginia sector where you We need to open some of these up or trademark them or something. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll probably have, we need to have Smitty bleep these out so that no one else can jump on these, uh, jump on these business. I'm pretty sure if you just say trademark, that works. Yeah. It's trademark. Butt sweat. Trademark. Butt sweat. Butt sweat. Yeah. We call butt sweat on that. Um, all right, next game up. Big Ten is back. We got Penn State Nittany Lions on the road going to Bloomington, Indiana to face the Indiana Hoosiers. Right now, Penn State, six-and-a-half-point road favorite. Penn State, they bring back a lot of talent from last year's team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They got four out of their five offensive line starters back. Uh, quarterback Sean Clifford, running back Journey Brown. They have a lot of running backs, by the way. Very deep. Tight end Pat Fryermuth probably will be you know, one of the top three tight ends going to the NFL next year. But... They lose a lot on defense. They lose seven starters, and they lose Micah Parsons, who opted out this season and is declaring for the NFL draft. He's their star linebacker. Indiana, you look at them. They bring back 17 starters from last year. They went 8-5 and five last year, even though their starting quarterback, Michael Penix, missed six games with injury. They did have a good backup, but still, 8-5 and five without your starting quarterback is a big deal. They, only, they lost by one point to Tennessee in their bowl game. Eight and five was their best finish since 1993. Wow. Uh, Tom Allen, he's doing a great job uh, there, and, and he's the head coach for, uh, for Tim, Tim Allen, huh? Tom Allen. I know. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Tom the Toolman Allen. That you think his the audience knows who that is? Home Improvement? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, I would imagine a lot of our audience is younger. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you haven't, it was a great sitcom with, uh, with Tim Allen. And uh, I actually, it's funny that this comes up. I just saw a story the other day that like the kid who played Mark, the youngest brother, just got like arrested for like some horrible shit. He was uh-huh. like, he's got problems with drugs and no, it, it was it was the older one. His name is Zachary Ty Bryan. That's oh, wait, I thought it was the guy who played. I'm pretty sure it's the older one. Well, well, who, no, who's the youngest brother? That's well, Mark. Mark. Okay, so it was the guy who played Mark. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was the younger the younger one that got arrested. Yeah, so, uh, hard Zachary times. Ty Bryan. Yeah. Yeah, hard times for that. That's for that weird. Fellow. Child stars usually never have any issues in life. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Yeah, they aren't seriously depressed <laughs> or have lots of demons. I've got a really good Tim Allen story. I'll make it quick. Okay. So, uh, uh, growing up, um, uh, I knew uh, a comedian, a local comedian in Denver. Uh, he was uh, friends with my mom, and uh, <laughs> he had a story about Tim Allen. And Tim Allen, a comedian. A Tim Allen, comedian, the, the comedian, not yeah. just famous for for yeah, home improvement. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, he's a comedian. And uh, once Tim Allen, I guess he used to dabble in. Uh, he used to party. Let's just say that. And they were driving down I twenty five once in Denver. Tim Allen, so fucked up in the passenger seat, kept yanking the emergency brake on I twenty five. Oh, yeah. fun! Yeah. I like it. So he's he's one of those guys. He, you know what? He just saw there was something wrong he just wanted to fix it because he's a home improvement guy i mean look so, I, some of these shows give off the impression you think that bill cosby's all about jello tim, tim allen's all yeah. about home improvement eh, not so much behind the scenes oh, oh, oh. uh anyway sorry back to back to indiana <laughs> we got uh michael Penix jr at quarterback by the way just i had to say this the wide receiver for indiana his name is ty freifogel great name such a great name ties fries Ty Fryfogel. <laughs> Fryfogel's fries uh um, your frozen section yeah look this indiana team has been tough for everyone uh the last few years they have uh they've given the top teams in the big in the big 10 real scares i mean not, not just penn state they've been really good against michigan ohio state they've they've been in some close games they haven't beaten them yet but you look at the last two years against penn state both games ended with a one score loss for the uh for the hoosers uh penn state they're breaking in a new offensive coordinator that they pulled from Minnesota. Uh, I hope I don't say his name wrong. Kirk uh, Sirocco. 
Um, Sounds right. New offensive coordinator. The IU defense was really tough last year, and I think they're going to get off to a good start here with Penn State having a new play caller. Their front seven is really big and tough. Uh, I think this game is close like the last two years. I'm going to take Indiana at home at the home team getting points plus six and a half right now. If you can get it at seven, I like it even more. I am going my teaser of the week. Okay. I'm going to take Penn State from six and a half to a half a point. It's a six-point teaser. Should should be about minus 110. Uh, some websites, you can get a six-point teaser for even money. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to take Penn State from six and a half to six, so they just have to win the game. Okay. And I'm going to take the over. So we're teasing 58, or is it 58 and a half? Uh, uh, I think it's 58 and a half. We'll tease 58 and a half down to 52 and a half. It is 58 and a half. Okay, so... Over undertaking that down to 52.5. I see a lot of points for both teams. Indiana last year was a really good offense. And I know you talked about, you know, one of the best records in, in a lot of years. And you go back and look, they scored uh, 44 their last game against uh, Purdue. They scored 27 on the road at Penn State. Yep. Northwestern, 34 points. Nebraska, they scored 38. Uh, 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 Maryland, they scored uh, 34. So yep. this offense knows what they're doing. Same coaching staff. I believe they can score. And like you mentioned, Penn State, a lot of missing players on defense from last year the linebacker who opted out. So I think both teams hit the ground running offensively. So I do like the over and I like Penn State to at least win the game. So that's my teaser of the week, Penn State in the over. Okay, cool. You got it. I'll give out Iowa plus six and a half. I'll be rooting for the Hoosiers here for sure. And another note, Penn Indiana, State. Indiana, you mean? Penn State. Yeah, sorry. What did I say? Iowa. Iowa. Oops, Indiana. Um, Penn State's got maybe a look ahead moment here. Uh, sorry, I just got a text message from the president. That's what that <laughs> was. Um, uh Maybe a look-ahead game for Penn State here because they have to play Ohio State next week. Um, I know it's kind of silly to say that the first game of the year, but even still. No, definitely. Speaking of Ohio State, uh, Nebraska going on the road to Columbus. Ohio State currently a 26-point home favorite. These two teams may want to give each other some hugs and kisses before the game for spearheading the return uh, to play for the Big Ten this season. No one was fighting harder than Nebraska and Ohio State when the Big Ten season got canceled. So kudos to both of them. But I'm not sure that even some love and respect from Ryan Day is going to save Scott Frost here. Uh, this Ohio State team went into Lincoln last year and beat the Huskers 48-7. to And they let their foot off the gas at the end there. Ohio State is the only team... Uh, outside of Cle- you know that I think is on the same level as Clemson and Alabama, I think they might be my pick to win it all this year. We'll see how they look. But Nebraska, they're bringing back just five starters on defense from last year's squad that gave up a lot of points to begin with. Uh, one thing to look for this year, there's no tune-up games for any of these Big Ten teams, right? Ohio State's not going to be able to play FIU or George Mason uh, early on to to work things out, to get their uh, their starters some some reps for big games. It's an eight-game schedule. So for a, team, for a team like Ohio State, Ryan Day is not likely to let his foot off the gas in the second half and just rest up Justin Fields and these starters. Uh, these guys need reps. They need game reps. They play a huge game against Penn State next week. So even, you know, somehow, let's say this game is close at halftime. I don't see it, varying, I don't see it being very possible. Let's say it's close at halftime. I still feel like you know, Justin Fields, let's say they get up to a big third quarter lead. They're going to leave him in there for the fourth quarter. Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, the running back transfer from Oklahoma. I think you're going to see these guys on the field for the entire game here, even if they're blowing them out. Uh, Ohio State, they were one of the best teams against the spread last year. They won their games by an average of 33 points per game last season. I feel confident Ohio State covers this huge number. Uh, I don't care that it's square. I'm going Ohio State minus 26. We've got a bet. Yes, we uh, do. Oh, yes. I know. And I look, I hate... You want to bet? What? 
would you like to bet on? I hate I betting Nebraska. As you guys all know, I'm, Nebraska. A, I'm yeah. a CU fan. I can't stand Nebraska. 26 points is just way too many. Here's the thing. I think that for this spread to cover, everything's going to have to go right for Ohio State. Nebraska's going to have to have everything go wrong. If, if Nebraska can get like one turnover, I think this could be disrupted. And I, I actually think that's a pretty sharp point what you brought up. The fact that Ohio State won't be resting people. You know, that, that that's a really good point. You know, it's not the classic game to where they could, you know, bring their guys off the field in the fourth or something like that. But I don't know if we're going to get there. I mean... There's a, a reason, big number. It, there's a reason it's 26. I hate Nebraska and like like Alabama. I don't love fading Ohio State, but the first game of the year, I could see a few hiccups early on. I could actually see somewhat of a close game at halftime, and yeah. and then Ohio State may pull away at the end. But I'm not going to go the halftime line because I want this to be a bet board game. We'll go Nebraska plus a 26. I'm okay. going to secretly be rooting for them. Let's do it. Yeah. Not so secret. Uh, big Husker fan, Tyler Walgy. <laughs> I hate you so much. Right? <laughs> I know. I hate myself too. Trust me. Whatever. The self-loathing is kicked well, in. Well, this is what gambling means is you throw out emotion in the teams you don't like. Yeah. I mean, I hate Ohio State. Look at me. I'm picking them. Right. Uh, I would love to see Nebraska win this game, uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'd prefer for Ohio State to win by 25. Okay. That'd be ideal. Uh, next up, Cincinnati. We've got an AAC game. Cincinnati on the road at SMU. Currently, SMU a three-point home favorite. This line opened. Cincinnati was a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. It, the, all the money came in on SMU. Now we're looking at Cincinnati plus three on the road at Southern Methodist. Uh, this is a strength versus strength game. Like last week, we had the Bama offense versus Georgia defense. Uh, off, this game is the same. We have an offensive team, an offensive juggernaut in SMU versus a dominant defense for Cincinnati. I think Luke Fickle, uh, head coach for the Bearcats, I think he's done a great job there. And likewise for Sonny Dykes at SMU. They're both doing a really good job. The AAC is a tough conference, and both these teams are doing well. Shane Bouchelle, uh, he's been incredible for uh, the, uh, as a quarterback for the Mustangs. I think they definitely have the quarterback edge here compared to Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. He's been more of a game manager type has some issues with interceptions so far this year, but it hasn't really mattered because the Bearcats' defense has been so strong. When this number was Cincinnati minus one and a half, I was going to be all over SMU. And then the line switched so fast that now it, you know the spread has swung, and now I'm, I think there's buyback here uh, in favor of Cincinnati. Um, you know, I'm thinking that Cincinnati's game last week, they were canceled. Uh, they had a game against Tulsa that was canceled, but not until late in the week. So they didn't get a full two weeks to prepare, but they did get a couple extra days, and they are rested. Uh, SMU certainly been tough, and they came out. They got a, a good win last week. Um, even still, you know, I, last week I, my pick for Bama was that the explosive offense beats the better defense. And I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, I'm going to just go against that. <laughs> I'm so, going to say that, that I'm, I'm going the opposite this year. I'm going to take Cincinnati plus three. I, I'm taking Cincinnati also. Um, why do you always give so many good things about the team you're going to bet against? Is it so – I have a theory. I think that when, yeah. you, when you want people to listen back – you want like something to be like, well, I did say they were no, good. No, Are no. you sure? It's, it's a Lee Corso move. I just grew up watching game day. It's the not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I just want, it's a curveball. Yeah. And look, I want to give credit. It's not that I think that SMU is bad here, but I think, I mean, to be honest, when I first started capping this game, I was going to be picking M SMU because they were one and a half point home dogs. And this is really more about buyback for me right now. It's that this game will be close. Cincinnati's a really uh, well-coached team. They're very tough and physical. 
And in this case, I think Cincinnati plus three, there's just too much value there. Yeah, no, I like Cincinnati's coaching staff more. I think SMU is a little overrated. And I do think those few extra days for such a good coaching staff and such a good coach, in my opinion, you have to give it some kind of credit, whether it's a half point or whatever, it's got to be worth something. And you're right. Now that it's on three, it's such a key number. I like Cincinnati and I think they could, you know, very well win this game. Okay, cool. Next up, uh, Tyler's favorite. We're going to the big 12, Uh, Iowa State. Let's go, folks. Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State currently a three and a half point uh, home favorite. Likely a deciding game for the Big 12 title matchup. Uh, Iowa State's 3-1, and one, but they are undefeated in the Big 12 play. Oklahoma State, of course, 3-0. and oh, The two best defenses in the Big 12 at this point. Uh, these teams have played it close in recent years. The last five years, this has been a one-score game, and Oklahoma State has won four of those five games. Thanks to COVID postponements, Oklahoma State hasn't played in two weeks. Uh, so it's going to be three full weeks between games by the time they kick off on Saturday. Iowa State also didn't play last week. Both teams are going to be fresh. They're going to have a lot of time to prepare for each other. Uh, Both these teams love to run the ball. Both teams are really solid against the run on defense, too. Chuba Hubbard for Oklahoma State, Brees Hall for Iowa State. They're both the engines of the offense. And when opponents have been able to take that away, uh, both these these offenses have looked really shaky. I just think these teams are so similar. Um, But one defense, or excuse me, one difference I can see is that Iowa State. I think they're much more battle-tested with their schedule. They've played now Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, who are a really tough team, TCU, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State has played Tulsa, who's really tough, and then West Virginia and Kansas. So I think that right now Iowa State a little more battle-tested, uh, not quite as much rust potentially from having three weeks off. I think these teams are evenly matched, uh, so I'm just going to take Iowa State with the points here. Oh, we got a bet board game. Right. Let's go, yes. folks. Yep. I want to bet. Would you like to bet on it? I yeah. love it. Two th- bet board games. So my whole handicap here is the extra week off is actually a good thing for yep. two reasons. Oklahoma State was one of the most injured teams in the country. They got so banged up and at key positions. I mean, we were wondering about, about injuries before the 47-7 win at Kansas, right? Yep. Now they've had two weeks to get healthy. Also, the stat I gave you a couple weeks ago that the team who's played fewer games, that's an advantage for them if they have a good coaching staff. Yeah. I think everything comes together here. It's at home, at uh, Oklahoma State. They're going to have a couple fans in the stands. Yep, a couple. A couple fans in the stands, yeah, <laughs> a few. I've been to uh, Stillwater before. They don't have much besides football. And yeah. everywhere around there, usually when you go to these college towns, you know, you'll get the mom and pop shops who have the Oklahoma State stuff up and you'll get, you know, the smaller play. Dude, everywhere in Stillwater, it's all about Oklahoma State. I remember I went to a Pokes. Texas roadhouse. Oh, nice. It's just, it's orange. You walk in, it's orange. Why didn't they just make it an Oklahoma roadhouse? <laughs> right? But no, exactly. Are you saying that Stillwater doesn't have a lot going on? That's exactly what I'm saying. And so I think that this is going to be the game of the year there, you know. Uh, offense, like I said, clicking. They're healthy now. And I believe that they have an underrated defense. Now, I think both Very these teams defense. actually have an underrated defense. Iowa State, I was I was blown away when they played Oklahoma. You yep. know, I think they, they they showed up and they they have more speed. We talked about that last time. But I just trust Mike Gundy. I trust his coaching staff. And uh, Oklahoma State, they're on their way to the playoffs. So how can I not take them here? All right, three and a half. There we go. We got, we got two bet board games this week. Game. Love yes, it. We do. Uh, we are, we got the game day game coming up next. My Michigan Wolverines going on the road to Minnesota, Minnesota, three point home favorite right now. We got game day in Minneapolis. Look, I'm the biggest Michigan fan in the world. And this is a tough matchup for Michigan. Uh, Wolverines are breaking in four new starters on the offensive line. They got a new quarterback in Joe Milton. I'm really excited about this guy and his potential, but he has not played much when he has uh, come in. He's had accuracy issues. Uh, we just haven't seen a lot of him. 
The skill positions around him are deep and talented. He's got a lot of good guys to throw to, hand the ball off to, but it's just a lot of a lot of new faces on that offensive line. Minnesota, they bring back almost everyone on their offense. They got Tanner Morgan at quarterback, their star wide receiver Rashad Bateman, um, and they got all five starters back on their offensive line. You know, Michigan's front seven on defense looks to be pretty strong, uh, especially on the edge of the of the defensive line. But maybe a little thin on the interior defensive line. They got a true sophomore going to be starting in the middle there, and Chris Hinton. Um, but most troubling for me is the secondary at Michigan. They lost their best cover corner in Ambry Thomas, who opted out and is going pro and did not decide to opt back in. Uh, they do have their two starting safeties back, but you look at basically the, all of the corners, very young and inexperienced, and when you have Tanner Morgan and Minnesota's talented wide receiver core, that's a serious mismatch. Combine all of that with P.J. Flex' record of being a really good coach in big games. Last year they had game day in town for the Penn State game, and they were super prepared. They had some trick plays dialed up. They were fired up, and they took down Penn State at home. Uh, I think we see something similar. Harbaugh, I like Jim Harbaugh, uh, but he's not been great on the road against top ha- the top half of the Big Ten. I think we could see Michigan, the Michigan offense struggle and Minnesota take advantage of some mismatches in the passing game. I Look, I hope I'm wrong. I'm going to be rooting for Michigan just as a fan, but this is probably my best bet of the week by far. I don't know why we, have, well, we haven't seen that line move. I'm taking the Gophers plus three at home. Roll that boat. Yeah, I like uh, Minnesota here as well, and I've got a little stat to back up what you talked about, uh, Michigan on the road. So if you go back to 2006, okay? Oh, boy. It's a long time to go back, so it's a pretty good sample size. Whenever Michigan has gone on the road against a ranked team, okay? This Michigan on the road against a ranked team. There have been 21 examples of this back to 2006. Their straight-up record in those games, 1-20. and 20. Yeah, it's not they good. They have won one game in their last 21 road games against ranked teams in the Big Ten. Against the spread, right? I said earlier, well, who cares about straight up? Sometimes you're not the better team, right? That's not always the best way to look at things. You have to look at it against the spread. By definition, the spread is expectation, right? In those 21 games, Michigan is 6-15 and 15 against the spread. I mean, they are drastically underperforming on the road. And a lot of those games were with Jim Harbaugh. When did Harbaugh get hired at Michigan? This is his, uh, his seventh year, I believe. Wow. He got hired in 2015. So a lot of those, look, a lot of those wins but, were Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, which was terrible. But you're right. Harbaugh hasn't done it either. But since 2015, there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. They are one and seven yeah. straight up, yep. three and five against yeah. the spread. He struggled so, there. He has, and I mean, there's no reason to think why Michigan can just flip it around right now, and I can't figure out why this line isn't doing more, because Michigan is one of the most public teams in the country, while Minnesota is one of the least public teams in the country. I think as we get closer and closer to game day, you're going to see a lot of squares around the country take Michigan in parlays, teasers are going to be a favorite option, so... Uh, I like uh, Minnesota here, plus a three. All right, I got one more bonus game I just want to throw in real quick. Uh-oh. Uh, Tulane at UCF. Right now, UCF, 20-point home favorite. The Golden Knights have lost two in a row for the first time in four years. This UCF team is not used to losing. Uh, as of now, they're out of the discussion for the AAC championship game. I think we could see some of these players uh, with some low energy without conference title aspirations, without their, you know, now at this point, they can't even claim a fake national championship. That could affect the, the mental health of these players. Um, we saw some players on, on their sideline getting into it and, you know, some fighting amongst the team after the missed field goal that cost them a game against Memphis last week. Tulane's been frisky. They've been able to keep it close with some good teams so far. UCF's got big problems on 
defense and 20 is a big number so i'm going to add tulane plus 20 there and i'm going to give out a perfect square parlay since i'm square perfect squares have four sides Ooh, i like it tulane plus 20 minnesota plus three ohio state minus 27 and iowa minus three and a half they go on the road to purdue purdue's head coach jeff brom tested positive for covid he's not going to be able to coach that's my perfect square parlay right there and that's all I got. And Boom. we were talked about doing a movie script, but I got to run for movies. So, uh, so let, let's, we'll do let, that next let, week. Let's all come up with an idea for a okay. movie script. We'll yeah. all come up with something, and then uh, next the, week the we, we can movie. pitch it. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. So that's all we got for this week. I like it. Thanks we got always two for listening, games. guys. Two Bet Board Games. Yes. Love it. Uh, subscribe. Subscribe on, on uh, Spotify or whatever podcast player you're listening to. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CFB Weekly. Tyler is at Tyler Walgy, W-A-L-G. J-E. Ryan is at Woo's Producer. We'll see you guys next week.